Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, depending on where you're listening from. My name is Casey Long, my co-host here, Wyatt Sutherland, and today we are going to continue from last week's episode. Uh, Essentially what we talked about last week was our favorite genres to read. Uh, Mine, if you missed it, was Dying Planet and Sword and Planet. Uh, Why? Uh, my favorite genre to read, pretty much above all time, is uh, fantasy. Yeah. I'm a basic. <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't say you're basic just because of that. But um, <laughs> we, we got into a really good discussion about um, the similarities and even some of the bad things about writing modern fantasy. Um, so, yeah, by all means, check it out if you're interested. Um, but... No, I, I wanted to start off today's episode, uh, before we get into the real meat of the discussion, um, Wyatt, did you know they're making a Lord of the Rings series on Amazon? I just found that out I, like two days ago. That is That has been news for a very long time. I have been under a rock. In the oh my god. <laughs> um that that they're almost as far as i'm aware um first off it is uh the highest budget that has ever been given to a to the silver screen is it isn't it like a hundred million dollars per episode or something like that uh it's it's that's insane i'm not exact i'm not sure the exact number but it, it it is exorbitant um and uh it's the the uh, most expensive silver screen piece of media in history. And uh, we don't know wh- when it's going to be set. We don't know whether it's going to, what it's going to be about. Um, but as far as I'm aware, they, I think I heard that they either just started shooting or just finished shooting. Oh, wow. I can't remember. Well, for uh, <laughs> for those of we don't have any casting details, so I'm guessing that it's just started shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, it is being shot by Amazon, and I think Amazon's wanting to keep a really like tight leash on what info gets out, just because of the investment that they put into it so far. I think this is Amazon's biggest like on-screen production costs that they put forward mm-hmm. um I, i'm excited for it but i'm also a little scared because that's a very big project to recreate tolkien's universe um and put it on a big screen or even the small screen of people's living rooms that that is a big big task there and Peter Jackson did wonders with Lord of the Rings. Don't get me wrong. Um, however, there were some things that could have been done better. But I don't think that definitely with the Hobbit. <laughs> Let, let's not talk <laughs> about the Hobbit. The Hobbit trilogy. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish it didn't exist too. Uh, actually, the first one was good. <laughs> I liked the first one. I felt like it it did well. Um, but. I, I, I'm nervous too, um, 
I feel like Peter, see, Peter Jackson is like this gorilla sort of, uh, sort of filmmaker where he just takes, um, he takes what money he gets and what resources he gets and just stretches them out to, to a great degree. Um, whereas I, I don't know who's directing the show or it, it probably multiple directors per episode. Um, but I feel like Amazon is way more funded, way more and obviously way more funded. Um, but, but way more devoted to creating a sort of clean polished product. Whereas the Lord of the Rings was like strung together with the resources that they had. And that's where a lot of the heart came in with the, the animatronics the uh, late the the plastic suits that they were wearing the the makeup a lot of that heart that 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 made the Lord of the Rings movie so visually pleasing came from their willingness to kind of use what they had um, and and I think the amount of money being poured into this probably means that it's a lot of CGI and I'm not happy about that <laughs> yeah I don't feel like CGI did a damn thing excuse the language Whoa. for the Hobbit movies. <laughs> I- the Hobbit movies, just the CGI just honestly ruins a lot of the scenes in the Hobbit movies. You know what I think the problem with using CGI is? I, I think it takes away a lot of the natural aspect that Tolkien wanted us to see or envision when we read his books. And with that, I think Peter Jackson did a wonderful job. You know, the, the screenshots and the scenery from New Zealand is exactly what I pictured when I read some of the scenes from, you know, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and even the Cimmerillion. But when you add in CGI and you make it too high fantasy, it takes away that envisioning aspect that just encapsulates you to the story. And because of that, I think that's why I'm also a little fearful over the series. Um, But hey, I can't judge it just by its cover you know when it comes out i'm definitely going to give it a shot and an honest opportunity to impress um which i think they will do i honestly think they will but we'll see um so to segue from that, yes <laughs> what's your fa- what's your favorite genre uh, you beat oh, me too it wyatt <laughs> um my favorite genre to watch is fantasy you know, since we're since we're on the topic of Lord of the Rings and seeing it on a big screen, my favorite genre to listen to, not listen to, but to watch is fantasy. Uh, back when I was a little kid, my father took me to go see the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring on the big screen. That was my first ever fantasy movie I had ever seen in my entire life. And being in a movie theater hearing the Nazgul scream and having it reverberate across the theater walls and everything like that. It was so amazing, man. And seeing like this army of orcs and Sauron and even the Balrog Moria, well, Balrog of Morgoth in Moria, you know, all of that was just amazing to me. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I would hazard a guess to say that any fantasy fan uh, alive today uh, probably had Lord of the Rings as the formative um, 
experience and their opinions and like their gauge, like Lord of the Rings set the bar for fantasy visual storytelling. Um, like, like, mm. and then Game of Thrones did a good did job. Did it set the bar or did it reimagine the bar? Because you got to think. Oh, it. It raised the okay, bar for sure yeah. from what it was before. Like you had you had movies like Willow and The Labyrinth um, that were amazing. They're 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 fun movies. They're whimsical plots, um, great fantasy stories. Um, and for the technology and money that they had available to them, um, they're great. Uh, but for Lord of the Rings was the turning point for fantasy. It, first off, it showed that fantasy could make money on the big screen. Um, and then second off, um, Lord of the Rings was it set the bar for what technology for what technology and a good, decent budget can do with fantasy pieces of literature. And we we haven't really seen anything to that caliber um, really until Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones was. Um, I feel like Game of Thrones really kind of met the bar. I don't think they exceeded the bar. Um, but I think Game of Thrones met the bar for the silver screen that that the Lord of the Rings set for movies and visual storytelling in general. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can somewhat agree with that. I I think Game of Thrones had its own issues um, when you compare it to like Peter Jackson's work, but for for the most part yeah you, you know what movie i remember vividly um and for its time i think it really set the bar for high fantasy and so many people thinks that this movie was terrible but it's legend with tom cruise in it about darkness and the two unicorns in this like yeah. Oh, yeah 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 i know what you're yeah now that yeah. movie it had like a 23 million dollar budget back in 1985 so that that was a lot of money to put into a movie back then but man that i and it was a relatively simplistic plot too like i i imagine it was easy to to say hey give us this budget um because it, there's not there wasn't a whole lot that went into it it's the unicorns it's him and his lover and it's the big red devil guy darkness <laughs> and then yeah uh and and you know that's the whole story you know, you know i i think it was pretty hard for them to find the unicorns i hear they're pretty rare to find these days ah <laughs> maybe that's where the budget went <laughs> um they were the best actors though um but no, I mean, in, in all seriousness, that was a really fun movie to watch. And, you know, if if I was a kid back then and I saw something like that, that would inspire me so much. Because it, it inspired, I almost said expired. Here I am about to die on the podcast, Wyatt. Um, it inspired <laughs> me a lot when I first watched it back when I was 16 years old. And this is like, 20 25 years after the movie's already come out but man it, it was a work of art first time i think for sure and and you know you've got other works of of, of film fantasy coming out you you've got the witcher which i i wasn't hugely impressed with 
a lot of the creative decisions made for the Witcher series. Um, but it's there. Uh, and then now you've got the, the Lord of the Rings uh, series coming out. And um, Shadow and Bone. To be honest. Not, not to cut you off, but yeah, sh- yeah. Shadow and Bone. I think Netflix did a really wonderful job with Shadow and Bone. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I hear only good man, things. Man, that is something that you i i would just highly highly recommend you watch it 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 did the grishaverse so many wonders with its storytelling its cinematography everything highly recommend it i will say i will say i love the the actor um i i don't know i can't remember his name for the life of me um but he played prince caspian in the narnia movies and he he's in uh shadow and bone um, oh, oh God! What what is his name? I I need to yeah, look. Yeah, I can't remember I his need name. To look it up now. Oh, he also oh, played in the Punisher. He's the um, the guy that played as Prince Caspian. I think that's the same guy who. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays as the Darkling and the Grishavert. Well, in Shadow and Bone. Yeah. Mm-hmm wonderful actor and i think he's a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. yes it, it, even even uh back when he was playing prince caspian he was a lot younger um and before then um i think maybe the only other movie he would i had heard of him being in was like uh like 10 minutes of stardust I yeah think. <laughs> um but uh but he's a great actor and i feel like He's just now starting to get picked up for his talents. Uh, he he did a great job in the Punisher, um, uh, Netflix series, and yeah, I I think he's a great actor. Anything anytime I see him in something, I'm like, oh okay, I need to see this just for the performance. Yeah, his name is uh, Ben um, Barnes, and he did really good in a movie called Dorian Gray, where he plays as Dorian Gray. Um, and it's a really good like fantasy horror drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. of it. Um, the only problem I see with modern fantasy is I I'm used to seeing fantasy like the Neverending Story, Legend, where they use a lot of like animatronics and a lot of like real life props to set the scene. That way you can envision their you know this fantasy setting in your own mind they just give you something to kind of go off of the problem with modern day fantasy is they use a lot of cgi you know going back to our lord of the rings conversation earlier in the episode cgi i think is highly overused in fantasy because they want you to see everything they want you to see these awe-inspiring you know magic spells and stuff like that and man i want to be able to imagine this stuff a little bit you know well i think there is a certain degree where cgi can 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 do a lot for a fantasy visual experience oh, i agree and, and spells spells is one of them i i'm like i in a lot of fantasies um uh, actually, one of the things that I loved about the Witcher series was how they made spells look, and I don't think they did enough uh, with it. Honestly, maybe it was just a budget thing, but they they 
use CGI and they use um, computer animation to make spells look so cool. Um, and, and get when Geralt, uh, there, there's a scene in the first episode when Geralt uses, uh, I can't remember the sign. Spoiler one. Uh, Ard. I think it's Ard. Oh yeah. Well, no, this isn't really spoilers. It's just like a, a single I gotcha. scene. Um, but he uses Ard to blow people back and that's a spell. It's kind of a sit, uh, a hand sign that he does. And it, just creates a telekinetic force essentially um and uh the coordination between the the cgi animators that made the visual of the spell and then the actors who all had to kind of fall back in these different and like stuff like that is where technology and acting can um intertwine and, and create something beautiful and then you've also got i think a probably some of the greatest fantasy works of CGI was smog smog from the, uh, uh, Hobbit movies. Oh yeah. Was incredible. Like the CGI done for smog was incredible. I'm like, if you could have just done that with every other CGI character in the, in the movie, then maybe it would have looked halfway decent. Well, Um, not, not even that, but you know, one thing to add on to it where they overdid it was spoiler warning for those who have not seen the Hobbit movies yet. Um, <clears throat> when they're in Dol Guldur and they come across, you know, the, the necromancer Sauron and the Nazgul that has like, that starts attacking them. Oh there. yeah. That scene just looks, it, it is. And you know, <laughs> I look at that scene and then I think of the scene where, um, the hobbits are at the top of um, Amonsul Weathertop, and they get attacked by the Nazgul, and that's where Frodo gets his stab wound by the Morgul blade. They used no CGI there except for a little bit on the um, on the face, and of course the you know the scene where he puts the ring on and goes into the other realm. And he sees what they really look like beneath the cloak. Um, yeah, but all of that's realistic. It, it is. They used all realistic makeup and and. Props. Absolutely, and normally, as a Lord of the Rings fan, I would be able to tell you what that is, uh, but it is slipping my mind for some reason. But you know, I look at that scene. I look at what they did with Dol Guldur in that scene. I'm like, excuse my language here, but what the hell is this? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like it would have been it. It almost is like I just imagine the the actors for the White Council at Dol Guldur um, just shadow boxing with their weapons. You know what I mean? Like how how hard that must have been um, to choreograph. And, you know, maybe they weren't shadow boxing. Maybe they had people there um, for mocap and stuff like that. But how much easier could it have been? to make that makeup that they did with Amon Sul, just have the actors dance around and fight in that makeup mm-hmm. and then touch it up and then bit. CGI and then CGI around it to add the effects that you wanted. How much harder would that have been? And maybe even less money would that have been than CGIing the entire interaction. And that, that is what I mean is like CGI in a fantasy visual medium. Um, is valuable in small doses and you, and only to be kind of used to 
um, embellish things, not really create a thing entire. You know, um, I, I know we're supposed to be moving on a bit, but <laughs> going back to that conversation and Dogledore, um, well, with Dogledore, you know, that scene when you when you read about it, you know, that's when the White Council realizes that Sauron did not get defeated and the ring is still out there and Middle Earth is definitely on the brink of going into another dark age. It's supposed to be a scene full of fear, full of dread. And I think they would have used the same makeup that they did for the Nazgul. Probably give them some like cool metal helmets and a little bit different um, armor, stuff like that. But still make it realistic looking like they did in the original trilogy. That would have made that scene so much better, at least for myself. Because that would have given this real sense of, oh snap, you know, there's some there's some stuff going on here. This is intense. Yeah. And one of the things that they did that I hated, um, and I, that I suspect that they probably did it to try to keep in with the dark, scary tone was they, they made Galadriel's light form look like something out of the grudge. I was like, I was like, I watched the, I watched Lord of the Rings as a kid. And when Galadriel goes into her light form and, like she's beautiful you know what i mean like she's she's like the the way that the animation makes her look just pure and without blemish and just shining and uh then in the in the hobbit movie she's like a ghoul and i'm like why why did you need to do that and and it would have made the scene so much cooler and more interesting if because in that scene, it's Galadriel, Galadriel's last light, you know, saving everyone in this situation from being white, from being wrecked by Sauron. Um, and it's like, why, why make her look like that and not make her look like the goddess that well, she is? You know what I mean? Like, well, now in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, in the Senate edition, you know, it has Galadriel's speech where she tells Frodo you will give me the ring freely. And she basically goes on to tell Frodo also in this like wicked distorted form, but it's, it's beautifully terrifying and that's what makes it different. But she goes on to say like in place of the dark Lord, you will set up a a queen and I shall not be dark, but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night all shall love me in despair that is beautifully terrifying and that i think is what an evil galadriel would look like but yeah no i i beautiful and terrifying i i agree with you though not the grudge <laughs> exactly if i wanted <laughs> if i wanted the grudge i would have watched the grudge right yeah so yeah anyways for sure cgi has a place but it it just needs uh to be touched up um, but definitely fantasy is probably one of my, as, as the audience can tell, probably one of my favorite things to watch too. Um, but, uh, just in our last few minutes, deviate, I will deviate from that and actually put in something that I, I suspect most people wouldn't, wouldn't, um, 
wouldn't uh, anticipate. And that is my favorite. One of my favorite things to watch is actually slice of life. Um, sort of genre. I'm, I'm not even really sure of how to name this genre. Um, so I'll just give an example, a couple of examples. One is Firefly Lane. Um, Firefly Lane is essentially this story about um, two reporters, two young female, young women growing up uh, in the 70s and the, the 80s. Um, and it kind of flashes back, back and forth between their modern life and moments of their past together. And I love that. <laughs> I loved Firefly Lane so much. It's sort of a drama, a little bit of a drama, but I think the drama is more um, just situational. And, and really the story is just about these two friends who stick it out together through no matter what. Um, and, and I love shows like that. Um, seeing real life actors like live action real life actors um portraying this sort of slice of life experience domestic is drama so is is what you're looking oh. for yeah it it focuses yeah. on like the realistic everyday like ongoings mm-hmm. of the main characters mm-hmm. yeah and then there's another show on netflix called bonding i think it's either binding or bonding um and it's it's about like a BDSM dom and her friend, and kind of de- it, it, the show d- goes a long way for destigmatizing the BDSM community, um, especially in the second season. Um, but it's also really nice as just a show to watch these two these two kind of um, uh, sort of friends that haven't talked to each other in a little while, kind of build their relationship. Uh, yeah, I just I eat that stuff up. I, I love um, that y- you've got uh, Shit's Creek. I, uh, my girlfriend got me on Shit's Creek, and I love it. I love that show to death. It's it's uh, <laughs> so funny and so charming. Um, yeah, I, I really love that sort of uh, show. <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite things to watch. It. it- Aside from the typical fantasy action Star Wars stuff, yes, I keep up with Marvel. Yes, I keep up with Star Wars. Of course I do. But What about Star Trek? I, I'll why it's not a Trek. Oh man. <laughs> I I I'm I, okay, I'm not a Trek. You're yet, fired. But I appreciate Star Trek. Okay. I appreciate Star You're Trek. You're rehired. I like Star Trek. <laughs> I like Star Trek. I'm just not uh, like, for instance, my my I've uh, my cousins are doing a Star Trek marathon, and they've been doing it for like a year now, um, from the OG all the way through to Picard and Discovery, um, and they're not even done. I think they're not even done with. Uh, they might have just started Deep Space Nine, and I just don't have the commitment. <laughs> It's, it's um, definitely a series I, that requires commitment, but it, it's it's a beautiful series. Yes, and and I think Star Trek, I I like it. This is an, a kind of uh, another kind of point that we were kind of 
uh, talking about in our last episode where we talked about uh, the differences between certain kinds of fantasy and everything. But I love Star Trek way more than I love something like Interstellar or The Expanse. You don't like Interstellar, um, the movie? Uh, it, well, it's a cool movie. The sci-fi concepts are, are super interesting. The science is, is super fun. But the world building is, is what I don't like. Like, you've got the expanse where it, it, you know, it's pretty much like capitalist dystopia just with space travel. Um, whereas Star Trek is like envisioning this sort of idealized future of peace. There's still problems. Um, but like everyone is kind of working towards this goal of building a better world, figuring out what's out there, the wonders of space and, and how vast and big it is. And, and it's sort of those same feel. It gives me the same feelings as like a difference between a, like a postmodern fantasy work, like what's in Martin and uh, Brandon Sanderson, um, as opposed to Tolkien, which is like just the themes of like, dark dystopia edginess i'm not a huge huge fan uh of of those sorts of themes i like a fictional piece of art to be very enthusiastic about um the future even in like tolkien and tolkien and star trek both do this thing where even in like the hardest hardest times and even star wars um, does this they all do this thing where it's even in the darkest times it's always you know fighting the dark lord not just to take power from the dark lord for your own ends like game like you would see in game of thrones but fighting the dark lord because it's the right thing to do and like and towards this goal of a better future and peace and and prosperity and a, a beautiful world um that to me uh is far more interesting to watch in the dramatic moments than something that's a lot more edgy and uh, critical. I, I'm not sure critical is the right word. I understand what you're saying, Wyatt. And I, I, I can agree with you on a lot of that stuff. Um, but man, look at, look at the time, Wyatt. That's probably the fastest <laughs> half hour I've ever seen us go through. <laughs> um, how about this, Wyatt? How about we leave off here, let our listeners you know, enjoy their work week a little bit, and let's come back next week and talk about our favorite genres to write. Right. Yeah, sure. And honestly, like that's, uh, that's a really good plan anyways, because I remember we had talked about... Um, doing uh episode on uh our our genre and how we as writers plan to innovate um on those genres so maybe that could actually be a great um segue great episode yeah, yeah a great episode to smash together cool well all right guys ladies everyone else thank you for listening in to this week's episode be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Discord if you want to come hang out with us on a daily basis and chit-chat. Um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. If you're an author, keep on writing. If you're a reader, keep on reading. If you're an engineer, keep on 
doing whatever it is that you do with all those fancy numbers. Until next time, everyone. <laughs> bye bye. Like, share, and subscribe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Y'all take it easy. Bye bye.